1984, pastors Jean and Sue started Faith Christian Center in a hotel ballroom. But for the past 36 years, they have taught people how to practically apply the Bible to their everyday lives. Over the years, God has blessed us and the church has grown. Faith Christian Center is now located on a beautiful 73-acre campus in the heart of the Dallas-Fort Worth Metroplex. We believe the best is yet to come. Today's message will encourage you, inspire you, and teach you how to experience God's best in every area of your life. We're going to pick up this evening right where we left off last Wednesday evening, dealing with the righteousness that we have in Christ Jesus. So if you would turn in your Bibles to Hebrews chapter 10, Hebrews chapter 10 beginning in verse 1, to understand the reality of our righteousness, we should study, we should all study and meditate upon Hebrews chapter 10. Hebrews 10 beginning in verse 1, the law is only a shadow of the good things that are coming, not the realities themselves. For this reason it can never, and that's important, it can never. So somebody can't try and make the law do what it cannot do. It can never, by the same sacrifices repeated endlessly year after year, make perfect those who draw near to worship. And this is why E.W. Kenyon said that one of the saddest things is for a Christian who's supposed to be under the new covenant to, tr to act like and to try and live under the old covenant. He said there's nothing sadder than a Christian under the new covenant trying to live as if they're still under the old covenant. This, for this reason, it can never, by the same sacrifices repeated endlessly year after year, make perfect those who draw near to worship. If it could, would they not have stopped being offered? For the worshipers would have been cleansed once for all and would no longer have felt guilty for their sins. But those sacrifices are an annual reminder of sins because it is impossible. Say impossible. So the, the words are interesting. Never impossible. It is impossible for the blood of bulls and goats to take away sins. And so under the old covenant, the blood of animals was a temporary covering over. And it all foreshadowed the perfect which was to come. Therefore, when Christ came into the world, he said, Sacrifice and offering you did not desire, but a body prepared for me. With burnt offerings and sin offerings you were not pleased. Then I said, Here I am. It is written about me in the scroll. I have come to do your will, O God. First he said, Sacrifices and offerings, burnt offerings and sin offerings you did not desire, nor were you pleased with them, although the law required them to be made. Then he said, Here I am. I have come to do your will, O God. He sets aside the first to establish the second. And so if you read Romans, you read Hebrews, you find out that the old covenant, it has been done away with. Again, that's why E.W. Kenyon said, there's nothing sadder than a believer under the new covenant trying to live as if they're under the law. And you read Galatians, Paul wrote, very unhappy, upset, that there were Jewish believers that had led Gentile believers to believe that they needed to be, they needed to be circumcised in order to be saved, that they needed to practice all of the law in order to be in right standing with God, and they, needed, they even needed to go back to practicing special Jewish festivals and holidays. That's why you're not going to see Pastor and I Shabbat or doing anything like that. Amen? And if you want to do something special on a certain holiday, that's your business. But it has nothing to do with you being in right standing with the Lord. 
And we need to be clear on this from the new covenant. So the first has been the first has been set aside. The old covenant has been set aside. He sets aside the first to establish the second. Verse 10, and by that will we have been, which is past tense, we have been made holy through the sacrifice of the body of Jesus Christ once for all. So we have been once for all. It is done. It is finished. And on the cross when Jesus said it is finished, he meant it is finished. Day after day, every priest stands and performs his religious duties again and again. He offers the same sacrifices which can never take away sin. Say never. Never. So never, impossible, never again, which can never take away sins. Verse 12, but when this priest, that's Jesus our Lord and Savior, when he had offered for all time one sacrifice for sins, he sat down at the right hand of God. So the work of redemption is finished. Amen. And he paid the price. He paid the price on our behalf. All we have to do is freely receive the gift of what he did on our behalf. Verse 13, since that time he waits for his enemies to be made his footstool because by one sacrifice he has made perfect forever those who are being made holy. He has made perfect forever those who are being made holy. So you read Romans, you find out that because of what Jesus did on our behalf, his righteousness has been credited to us, to our accounts. We didn't earn it. We don't deserve it. It's not something that we can earn by doing 25 things or these 35 things. He paid the price. He did it on our behalf. And his righteousness is credited to us. Now note verse 14 here. By one sacrifice, he has made perfect forever those who are being made holy. That is ongoing, continuous action. So notice we have been made perfect forever. That is our justification. And we are being made holy. That is our ongoing sanctification. So we have been justified, but we are being made holy, which is our ongoing sanctification. So in Christ Jesus, we're both justified and sanctified, But our sanctification is also an ongoing work. And that's why Sunday I was dealing with the importance of living by the Spirit on a daily, weekly, monthly, yearly basis. And just because you did a good job yesterday, praise the Lord for that. Amen. Well, we got today, we got tomorrow. Amen. And uh, you're going to have opportunities to walk by the flesh and to live by the flesh. So our sanctification is ongoing. Many believers know about their justification, but they know nothing about their sanctification. And that is living a holy and righteous and pure life. Or as we learned Sunday, living by the Spirit, not by the flesh. Again, we have been made perfect forever. That is our justification. And we are being made holy. That is our ongoing sanctification. So our our sanctification is not just a one-time event. It is also an ongoing work. And this is part of living a life that is pleasing to God. And this is part of your heart not condemning you when you pray. And this is part of entering the throne room of our Heavenly Father with boldness and confidence and assurance. If you want a life that is backed up, by the power of God, by the authority of God, by the anointing of God, you've got to really live the life. And it's not that we're perfect, because only 
He is perfect. But as Paul said, we aim for perfection. And Jesus himself said, I know it's not everyone's favorite verse, but Jesus said it. It's hard to argue with. Be perfect as your heavenly Father is perfect. It's amazing how many wrong beliefs would just be corrected if people would read Matthew 5 through 7 and study the Sermon on the Mount. You know, if you're heading down a road and you can't square it with the Sermon on the Mount, you're, you're on the wrong road. So that's important to keep in mind. In Hebrews 10, and most likely the author here is the Apostle Paul, one of my professors at seminary, one of the things that he has spent his entire life studying is Hebrews. And uh, he's written a book on it. He's quite convinced that the Greek style would indicate that Luke was the one that wrote Hebrews. But what I would say is the theology is Paul's theology. So likely, because Luke traveled with Paul, Luke wrote down and transcribed Hebrews for the Apostle Paul. And most likely, Paul here is explaining how the blood of bulls and goats could never take away sin. If it had, the worshipers under the Old Covenant would have had no more consciousness of sin. And as I said last Wednesday night, too many believers today, they're focused on sin and sinning, but they, it's because they don't understand the priesthood of Jesus under the New Covenant. And we learned on January 17th, and January 24th, that Jesus is a high priest forever, not in the order of Aaron or the Levitical priesthood. He is a high priest forever in the order of Melchizedek. And as Pastor said, Melchizedek's priesthood has to do with winning and walking in victory. So you got to get your focus off of sin and sinning and get your focus off of, get your focus on winning and walking in the blessing of the Lord. You know, this whole thing of, well, you know, I, I'm a sinner, you're a sinner, and, you know, we just have different sin. You got to give all that lame, lameness up if you're going to live a life of victory and blessing. And whatever it is, whatever the habit is, you can get the victory with the help of God and the help of the Holy Spirit. But you're going to have to put some old-fashioned hard work and effort in. You're going to have to resist some temptation. You're going to have to not do some things, go some places, hang out with some people, amen. unfollow some people, unfriend some people, amen. and it doesn't mean that you don't love them, amen, amen. but you've got to uh, guard your life amen. so that you would live a life pleasing to God. So you've got to get the focus off of sin and sinning and get your focus on walking in victory and the blessing of the Lord. Amen. There is a higher level, Amen. And again, I've been referencing Fred Price a lot. But as he said, we can live above the circumstances and we can walk in victory. So again, most likely Paul is explaining how the blood of bulls and goats could never take away sin. And if they had under the old covenant, they wouldn't have been conscious of sin anymore. Verse 3, but those sacrifices are an annual reminder of sins because it is impossible. Say impossible. impossible. For the blood of bulls and goats to take away sins. Now, since the Protestant Reformation, ministers have made us think of the altar as a place where we ask believers to come repeatedly, to be cleansed repeatedly from sin. And the result of that is, to many believers, the blood of Jesus is no different than the blood of animals. And that, that's a problem. You know, we're to make a public profession of faith, Amen. And if someone isn't right, there's a time and a place for recommitment. But it ought not be every week. 
And if you've been a believer five years, ten years, you need to, to rise above that. Amen? And you need to rise above struggling with the same things year after year. You need to get the victory. Amen? Amen. And as I said, you can get the victory. Further, many believers, by living a life of willful, ongoing, unrepentant sin, and I dealt with this Sunday, many believers, by living a life of willful, ongoing, unrepentant sin, trample Jesus underfoot, they treat his blood as unholy, and they insult the Holy Spirit. We have to remind ourselves that the Apostle Paul said that we can actually grieve the Holy Spirit. Look at another part of Hebrews 10, same chapter, verse 26. If we deliberately, say deliberately. deliberately. Now we have little kids, and uh, sometimes they misbehave. It's not deliberate. But sometimes, man, they, they look at you, and they, they know what they're doing. And uh, it's amazing how a three-year-old can say no. I mean, they can, they can look you square in the face like Dirty Harry and say no. That's deliberate. And so there's no point in being deceived or self-deceived. If we deliberately keep on sinning after we have received knowledge of the truth, what's that? It's the Word of God. And so, of course, you know, when somebody just gets saved, and especially today, in 2021, you know, most people haven't grown up in a Christian home. Most people know nothing about what the Bible says or about a biblical worldview. And so when someone's new to Christ, there's a lot that they may not know in 2021. The issue is once you know from the Word of God that uh, you're to live at a higher level, amen? amen? Or you know from the Word of God that certain things are unacceptable for us as believers. So if we deliberately keep on sinning after we have received the knowledge of truth, no sacrifice for sins is left. Now this is Hebrews. This is written to believers under which covenant? The new covenant. No sacrifice for sins is left, but only a fearful expectation of judgment and of raging fire that will consume the enemies of God. You might say, oh, Austin, I don't want to think of myself as an enemy of God. We go to James. James says that friendship with the world is hatred or enmity toward God. Verse 28, anyone who rejected the law of Moses died without mercy on the testimony of two or three witnesses. How much more severely do you think a man deserves to be punished who has trampled the Son of God underfoot who has treated as an unholy thing the blood of the covenant that sanctified him, and who has insulted the spirit of grace. For we know him who said, it is mine to avenge, I will repay. And again, the Lord will judge who? His people. You go to Peter's epistles. Peter said judgment begins where? Not out there in the world. Judgment begins where? In the house of God. It is a dreadful thing to fall into the hands of the living God. So that's not Old Covenant. That's not Old Testament. You know, some of the scariest verses are actually in the New Testament. And that's part of the problem in the church culture today is people don't read the Bible. And they don't read the Bible for themselves, and so they're ignorant of the reality of what the Word of God says. So Hebrews compares and it contrasts the Old and New Covenants. The sacrifice of Jesus was not like that of bulls and goats or animals. Hebrews 10, verse 3. But those sacrifices are an annual reminder of sins because it is impossible. Say impossible. impossible. For the blood of bulls and goats to take away sins. That, that's why Paul wrote to the churches at Galatia. And he was saying, what are you doing? Trying to be justified 
by going back under the law and practicing certain rites and certain festivals and certain calendar days or telling Gentile believers that they had to be circumcised to be saved. What are you doing? Because it is impossible to be in right standing with God through the Old Covenant. The author of Hebrews is saying that under the Old Covenant it was impossible. Say impossible. impossible. For the blood of bulls and goats to take away sins. Verse 11. Day after day every priest stands and performs his religious duties. Again and again he offers the same sacrifices which can never take away sins. But when this priest, referring to Jesus, when he had offered for all time one sacrifice for sins, he sat down at the right hand of God. So he offered for all time one. Say one. One, one sacrifice for sins, and then he sat down. And him sitting down is the perfect picture. It is the perfect illustration of the fact that the work of redemption has been finished. He fulfilled his assignment and he sat down. The work of redemption on our behalf has been finished. He dealt with the sin problem perfectly. And so when you and I were born again, we received the divine nature of God. We received the very life and nature of God. When Jesus made his sacrifice on our behalf, he put away sin. He also remitted or sent away all the sins that we had ever committed, past tense. And remitted means to send away, as if it never happened, as if it never took place. Now you may remember, someone may remind you, but the Bible says that he separates our sins from us as far as the east is from the west. So Satan may remind you, and that person who is doing a good representation of Satan may remind you of something from your past, but it's under the blood of Jesus. And it's not just covered over, it is washed away. It is sent away from you, from your house, from your tent, from your life. And at the same time, Jesus imparted his own nature and his own righteousness to us. 2 Corinthians 5 and verse 21 says, God made him who had no sin to be sin for us so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. He made him who had no sin to be sin for us on our behalf so that in him you and I might become the righteousness of God. Say, I am, I am the, righteousness the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. in Christ Jesus. Now you may not always feel like that, but that doesn't change the fact that it's true. And what I would add is that we are the righteousness of God in Christ and we're actually to live this life as if we are the righteousness of God in Christ. And that's why going back to Sunday when your flesh wants to dominate your life, your thoughts, your thinking, your, your actions, the words coming out of your mouth, you've got to remind your, your flesh or do as the Apostle Paul said, put it to death, crucify it, live by the Spirit and remind yourself you are the righteousness of God in Christ and you are actually to live as if you are the righteousness of God in Christ. So that means there are certain things I just can't do. There are certain activities I just cannot engage in. There are, there are certain places I simply cannot go because I am the righteousness of God in Christ. God made him who had no sin to be sin for us so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. So as new creations in Christ, we have become the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. We now are, which is a present tense reality. We now are 
the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. Say it again. Say, I am the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. You know, my father's back Sunday, so I'm a little looser tonight. Amen? I have fulfilled my, my assignment. It never ceases to amaze me when a, a young person will bring someone there, they're dating, and, uh, you know, we, we do our best not to get distracted, but again, we're not perfect, amen. And so you look out, you see this young person, and they, they either won't stand for, this is my Bible, or they do stand for, this is my Bible, and they look at you as if they hate your guts, and as if we're leading everybody in a recitation to Satan or something. <laughs> you, you could Google every phrase in the, this is my Bible confession, and you'll find out that it's all from the New Testament, it's all from the New Covenant, and it's all from things Paul tells us about who we are in Christ Jesus. And so the very fact that you have young people, and they would say they're a Christian, but just this is my Bible, gives them a bad attitude, tells you that they don't know who they are in Christ. And they may have religion, but they don't know what the Word of God says. Back to the notes. Amen. So Romans 3 and verse 26 has become a reality in our lives. He did it to demonstrate his justice at the present time so as to be just and the one who justifies those who have faith in Jesus. So praise God, our Heavenly Father is just. And he justifies us who have faith in his Son. He is just and he justifies. So Jesus becomes the righteousness of the man or woman who repents of their sins and believes upon Jesus as their Lord and Savior. 1 Corinthians 1 and verse 30 declares that Jesus has been made our righteousness. 1 Corinthians 1.30, it is because of him that you are in Christ Jesus who has become for us wisdom from God. That is our righteousness, holiness, and redemption. So he is our righteousness. And it is wonderful and the last few Wednesday nights, we've been dealing with this concept that the, these things are not just truths in the Word of God. These are truths that should be real to us. These are truths that we should walk in in our everyday lives. So the, the, the Holy Spirit and the infilling of the Holy Spirit shouldn't just be something we believe. It should, be a, it should be a reality in our everyday lives. And the incarnation and the resurrection and tonight our righteousness. These shouldn't just be beliefs or doctrines we agree with. They should be reality in our lives. Say, I am, I am the righteousness of God, righteousness of God in, Christ Jesus. in Christ Jesus. And again, you might say, oh, Austin, I, you know, uh, I got frustrated on the way over here or, you know, it was one of those days. It doesn't matter how you feel. We walk by faith and not by sight. Amen. What is the righteousness of God? It's the ability to stand in our Heavenly Father's presence without any sense of guilt or inferiority or condemnation. And again, we are the righteousness of God in Christ, but we're to live as the righteousness of God in Christ. So we have a part to play, amen? What is the righteousness of God? It is the ability to stand in His presence as His very own children. It is the ability to stand in his presence as his sons and daughters. So as we see in Hebrews, now we can enter into his presence with boldness, with confidence, with assurance. We can enter into his presence just as Jesus would. 
Now, before we conclude this evening, I want to give you some faith facts. There are two kinds of people. First, there are those who accept the Bible as God's Word. And uh, I can't think of the sermon title, and don't ask us to look this up or find it. Just have to take my word for it. Amen. Amen. There, 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 are, there are believers, and you just got to cross the bridge where you believe that all of the Word of God is His Word, and doesn't matter what the culture says, it's the Word of God, it's His Word for our lives, you agree with it, you believe it, and it doesn't matter if it offends you. doesn't matter if CNN disagrees. Or if the ladies on The View disagree, amen. He's God. It's His Word. His ways are higher than our ways. His thoughts are higher than our thoughts. And it doesn't mean we all understand everything on every issue, but we come to His Word and we say, well, that's what His Word says, and so I'm going to line my life up with His Word. And growing up, my father would periodically share how when my parents were newly married, they just reached a decision where they, they came to the conclusion and they decided, they, they covenant, covenanted, covenanted with God that if there was anything in his word that they weren't doing, they would do. And if there was any area of their lives that was not lined up with the word of God, they would simply come into agreement with the word of God and line their lives up with the word of God and do things his way. And for many believers, the reason... Their Christian life has no power is they want to agree with prosperity, but they don't want to agree with holiness, and God won't honor it. You can't believe in and agree with 15% and expect him to hear you and answer you and bless you. And that, that's the issue for many people, is they, they want to believe the part about prosperity, or they want to believe about the part about healing, but they've, all, they've got a list of 50 things they have a problem with in the Word of God. Or 50 things or 100 things that they, they disagree with God about. And that he needs to update for uh, 2021. Well, they, he's the Ancient of Days. And there, there's no update coming, amen? amen. And uh, they, they can come out with a new version and they can take certain things out. A few years ago, and don't, don't Google this. We live in a wicked world. But one of the publishers a few years ago did a Queen James Bible. People don't believe in hell. But hell is real. And the lake of fire will be real. And eternity is coming. And so people can take out what they don't like. They can thumb their nose at God. But it doesn't change the fact that his word is true. So there are two kinds of people. There are those who accept the Bible as God's word, and there are those that don't accept the Bible as God's word. And this is important because far too many churchgoers do not accept the Bible as God's word. And that's before you deal with who is and who is not a doer of the word. Faith in Father God is not built upon the word of men or women. Faith in Father God is built upon his word, the Bible. Faith in Father God is not built upon the word of men or women, but upon his word, the Bible. And the testimony of men and women does have its place, but it can never take the place of the Bible itself. That's why I said about a month ago in the message on the spirit of truth that, that when someone stands up and it's, they had a dream this and they had a dream that, and God told me this and God told me that, or 
you know, I, I was mortified to see on a Christian channel they should know better. You know, Jesus came in screaming at me. Turn that garbage off. You know, and I shouldn't have to get on Facebook and say, turn so-and-so off, turn this off. We need better discernment, amen? amen? Ministers of the gospel say the Bible says. Amen. Amen. True men and women of God say the Bible says. You watch Billy Graham sermons, it's Bible verse after Bible verse after Bible verse. And T.L. Osborne had a series of messages which he preached for more than 50 years all around the world, but it's Bible verse after Bible verse after Bible verse. True men and women of God proclaim the word. So human testimony has its place, but it can never take the place of God's word. God's word, the Bible, is Father God speaking to us. It is though... It is as though Jesus is here now speaking to us. His word takes his place. In Matthew 4 and verse 4, Jesus said, It is written, Man does not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. So God's word, the Bible, it has given us new life. It has made us new creations. It has sustained and upheld us. It is the word of faith that proceeds from the very heart of the Father of faith. And as Paul said, it's the word of faith which we proclaim. The word, the Bible, is a part of the Father himself. It's a part of him. It is his word. You cannot separate God from his word. And so when people hate this, they hate God. Because it's his word. When people dislike this, they dislike God. And when people are enemies of this, they're enemies of God. The word, the Bible, is a part of the Father himself. So we, we feed on his word the Holy Bible. You know, my, this one's old enough, it still says Holy Bible on the front. It's not just another book. So we ought to feed on His Word. We ought to breathe and feed on His Word till it is our spirit man, the real you, is full of His Word. By studying and meditating upon, confessing and taking action on His Word, you build it into your spirit. You build it into your consciousness. That's why sometimes I'll say, I'm all for devotionals. They have their place, amen? But it, none of that can be a substitute for feeding on, studying, and meditating upon the Bible. And you go back to Joshua 1.8, that is the success formula. 2 Peter 1 and verse 20, above all, you must understand that no prophecy of Scripture came about by the prophet's own interpretation. For prophecy never had its origin in the will of men, but men spoke from God as they were carried along by the Holy Spirit. And as Jesus said, well, what did true prophets never tell people what they want to hear? And again, this all goes back to the issue of biblical ignorance. And Jesus told them, the religious leaders, you're like your fathers who killed the prophets. In fact, there wasn't a prophet that they didn't try to put to death. And then he told them, made them even matter. He said, you're like your father who? The devil. Men spoke from God as they were carried along by the Holy Spirit. 2 Timothy 3, verse 14, Paul's writing to Timothy, a young man that he had trained for ministry and trained to deal with error and things that were going on that weren't right. Verse 14, but as for you, continue in what you have learned and have become convinced of because you know those from whom you have learned it and how from infancy you have known the Holy Scriptures. So even in the midst of parts of the New Testament being written and letters being sent, he says, from your infancy you have known 
the Holy Scriptures, which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. And uh, there's not a documentary per se I would recommend, but you go back to the Protestant Reformation. Many men and women were tortured and were put to death in cruel and horrific ways because they believed that average, everyday people should be able to read the Bible for themselves in their everyday language. They gave their lives so people could read the Bible. And so it's sad today that we live in a time of so much biblical ignorance. You go to Mardell's, you got 25, 30, 50, 100 different Bibles to choose from in any color you want. There's no excuse to be ignorant of the Word of God. Making you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus, all Scripture. How much of Scripture? All. So even the parts the culture disagrees with. Even the parts that may offend you. How much of it? All. All Scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness so that the man of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. In Hebrews 4, back to where we started in the book of Hebrews, Hebrews 4 and verse 11, let us therefore make every effort to enter that rest. And you read Hebrews, the author of Hebrews doesn't just compare the old covenant to the new covenant. He uses the people under the old covenant, the generation that Moses led out of Egypt, and he tells believers under the new covenant, don't be like them because they missed out on the promises and the rest and God's best because of their disobedience, their rebellion, their unbelief, and their sin. And he warns believers under the new covenant that if they missed out on the promised land, if they missed out on the rest of God, you can too. And that's a concept many believers don't want to deal with. Verse 11, let us therefore make every effort. Say, make every effort. Make every effort. So we have a part to play. Make every effort to enter that rest so that no one will fall by following their example of disobedience. That's that generation Moses led out of Egypt. For the word of God is living and active, sharper than any double-edged sword. It penetrates even to dividing soul and spirit, joints and marrow. It judges the thoughts and attitudes of the heart. So there ought to be conviction. And, uh, you know, the pastor says sometimes that People don't pray because they don't want God to tell them to do something or to change something or to get rid of something or someone. But I think that's too why people don't read the Bible because uh, they, they, they know in their hearts how out of line their lives are with God's plan. But when you read the word or you hear the word, there is conviction. It judges the thoughts and attitudes of the heart. Nothing in all creation is hidden from God's sight. Everything is uncovered and laid bare before the eyes of him to whom we must give account. And so that's part of the message, all of Scripture, which includes the judgment of God. You know, a few years ago when pastor in a message said that the church age or the age of grace is coming to an end, and next is judgment. You know, we shared that on social media. It is amazing how many people that angered and ticked off. People want to believe, again, 35%, 40%, 65%, but they want to leave out that part about judgment or accountability or the fact that someday, even as believers, even when our home is the city of God, 
you and I will all stand before Jesus Christ to give an account for what we did with our lives, to give an account for our stewardship, to give an account for what we did with our gifts and our talents and our abilities. You might think, man, Austin, you know, you're, you're, you're freaking me out before I go home. You're scaring me before I go home. Well, we ought to live with accountability. We ought to live our lives in light of eternity. We ought to live our lives knowing that there's judgment day for the wicked, but there is a day of accountability for the righteous to give an account. And we ought to live accordingly. That's why Peter said, be sober-minded. Be sober-minded. Everything is uncovered and laid bare before the eyes of him to whom we must give an account. So the words integrity and the life that it gives, it should fill our every being. God's word should be a part of our everyday lives. And so you got to set time aside for prayer and time to study the word, to read the word, to meditate upon the word. Man's word, like grass, it withers, it passes away. But his word, the word of God, will never pass away. Jesus said it will all be fulfilled. It will all be fulfilled. His word will never die. And his word never loses its freshness, its power, its ability to recreate, to strengthen, to give courage. His word on lips of faith becomes just like the words of Jesus. The word on lips of doubt and fear is powerless, it's ineffective, it's dead, but his word on lips of faith gives life. His word on lips of faith has great authority and great power. His word on lips of faith changes lives and changes circumstances. When his word is spoken, when the Bible is spoken, when it is preached, when it is proclaimed, people are saved, the sick are healed, and the captives are set free. That's why I'm so thankful T.L. Osborne would often tell me. Because again, you know, as spirit-filled people, it's, it's hard to break from Pentecostalism. And what's that? You're just like, Austin, what do you mean when you say that that way? Trying to earn certain things. And T.L. Osborne would say, Austin, we don't pray the power down. We preach the power out because it is his word that has power you go back to mark 16 what does he confirm his word now does that mean we don't pray no does that mean we don't set aside time for prayer no does that mean we don't do what jesus did and withdraw late at night or early in the morning to pray no but we have to balance prayer with well because i didn't pray an extra 35 minutes you know god's limited no 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 he confirms his word what changes lives for the better? It's the word of God spoken by lips of faith. The words of men and women may fascinate and intrigue and answer the reasons and doubts of men and women for a time, but only the word of God speaks to the human heart. Only God's word can answer the questions of the human heart. His word, inspired by the Holy Spirit, is God's light in our lives. David said in Psalm 119, 105, your word is a lamp to my feet, and a light for my path. So if you're stumbling constantly, you got to spend more time in the Word of God. And one of the best ways to do that, and my parents instilled this in us growing up, is to read the proverb for the day. Just that will build wisdom into your life. So His Word is a part of God Himself. You can lean on the Word of God just like you would lean on God Himself. You can rest in his word just like you can rest in God himself. You can act on his word with as much confidence as if 
God spoke to you audibly. And a lot of people, they're in trouble, they're in error, they're in a bunch of nonsense of their own making because they're seeking a manifestation, they're seeking an experience, they're seeking a word when they're not a doer of the word he has given us. So you can act on his word with confidence. We have his word. We have his word. It's the Bible, the Holy Bible. His word is now, just as faith is now. Psychology, philosophy, the religions of the world, they all fall short. None can answer the questions of the heart. None can speak to the heart. None can fill the void that is in every heart. Psychology, philosophy, the religions of this world, they can see and they quote from the Bible as literature, like it's Shakespeare, but their writings cannot feed the hungry spirit of men or women. Their writings fulfill the senses, but they can never fill the heart, the spirit of men and women. Our eternal spirits crave the bread of life, which is his word. Jesus said, I am the bread of life, and whoever comes to me will never hunger. This explains why those who feed on God's word have no appetite for the theories and the opinions and the ideas of unsaved men and women. I could care less about their theories or their opinions or their ideas because I have his word and this is what I'm living by. Austin, have you read this? Have you read that? No, I have his word. And what do you spend most of your time reading? The word of God. Amen. Jesus is the word. He's the word made flesh. He is the bread of life. So don't waste your time or life with the philosophies of unsaved men and women who will soon be in hell. There's no life in them or in their writings. In him and Father God is life, and that life is our light. John 1 verse 4, in him was life, and that life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, but the darkness has not understood that, understood it. You go to 1 John, I'd encourage you to read 1 John. John tells us if we claim to be in the light, we must walk in the light. And those who claim to be in the light yet walk in darkness, they are deceived, there is no truth in them. But how can we claim to be in the light? How can we claim to be walking in the light if we're not walking by his word? If we're not living by his word, if we're not in agreement with his word, if we're not lining our lives up with his word in every part of our lives. Only his word alone can answer the human heart. The words of men and women can never answer the human heart. His word is life. And if you want to live a life of victory, you're going to have to go by his word. You're going to have to live by his word and line your life and every part of it up with his word, including your prayer life. Amen. Amen. His word is life. Thank you for listening to this life-changing message. To partner with us and to help us reach more people with the good news of the gospel, visit our website at faithchristiancenter.com. Your financial support is enabling us to reach more people than ever before. If you have never accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, pray this simple prayer. Lord Jesus, I repent of my sins. Come into my heart. I make you my Lord and Savior. If you prayed that simple prayer, 
You are born again, and today is a new beginning. We would like to send you a copy of Dr. Jean Lingerfeld's book, God's Very Own Child. To receive your free copy, call the church office at 817-561-3400 or send an email to info at faithchristiancenter.com. Remember to put God first in every area of your life because he loves you and has a wonderful plan for you. And don't forget, we walk by faith, not by sight.